we exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. We are Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, we serve together, and we grow together. I first want to welcome those that are joining us online, and I just want to encourage you. I know sometimes there's a temptation when you join us online, perhaps just to kind of pick up right when the message begins, or maybe during the week, right, and you kind of fast forward, and you just go to the message part. But I want to encourage you, whether you're in your car, you're in your home, man, you're in a nursing facility, uh, you're, you're, you're at work, whatever, if you could, just I want to encourage you, please keep the music and the, that part uh, alive there as you're worshiping online. Make your house kind of create a setting where you can actually turn the lights down and feel the presence of music. Because here in this place, sometimes the worship is just so powerful, just like God just kind of shows up through the music more powerful than any other part of the service. So I just want to encourage you with that. I just thank you again. Thank you for joining us. But I just want to make that little point. And for those that are in the house, uh, do you, has, has God's presence here this morning? Yeah, God's presence is here. If you have your notes, I want to invite you to go ahead and find them. If you're new, we're so glad you're here. Uh, you can find them on your app. You can get them in your hard copy. Open up your Bibles if you have them, whether it be on your phone or the hard You can pick up a Bible when you walk in. Um, we're going to start here in just a moment, but I want to begin with prayer. And uh, let's just go there. God, we thank you for the privilege of being in your presence. And um, you are enough, God. And it's our desire, God, to find a way to be content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in plenty or in need, God, because in you we, we find life. In you we find hope. And God, it's our prayer here as we open up your word again, uh, your word of hope, your word of life, that uh, you will move and you will touch and you will kind of evoke within us a deeper understanding of how we can be rooted in the way of your son, Jesus. And God, we are not going to give up. I will tell you, we will be relentless. And we're asking you to, to work and move in Ukraine again, in the surrounding nations, God. We're asking that someone, some leader, some person will somehow have such an encounter with you, God, and their voice, their leadership, female or male, child, young or old. We, we care not, God, that you would call out someone to lead a revival of faith in that place. That not just for comforting, yes, God, for comfort, yet, yes, God, for, for strength to endure, God, but a courage to be bold and to stand up and speak a word about the everlasting life that is in Jesus and the shelter that comes from hiding under his hand and standing upon the rock, God. We pray you would do that. And especially, God, we pray for the same thing in, in Russia. And that, God, that somehow soon you would bring an end to the madness to the stream of blood rolling in the streets and the smell of death that just continues to linger in the air. Schools and homes and churches and cities just leveled, God. It is not right. It is evil. And we declare that, that it should end. And we ask you to do this in the name of Jesus and even more. Amen. Uh, we are in a second week of a message series we are calling Rooted. If you're here uh, this week, I'm so thank you for, for being here and being, being a part of this. And the whole concept and, and idea of this series is that some people think that once they start following Jesus, that life gets harder, that it becomes a burden, I mean a really burden uh, to be a Christian. And it's more difficult to be a Christian. 
And without question that when you become a follower of Jesus, you say yes, you're baptized and you start following him, is that we get taught to do some very difficult, challenging things uh, like love your enemy. Can you imagine living in Ukraine and trying to practice that, to love your enemy. I mean, how, how does that work for you? How hard is that? That's hard. Uh, to pray for those who persecute you, right? Uh, to pray for those who speak ill of, of you. Uh, to turn the other cheek. Give of yourself sacrificially in every part of you. That's some really, really hard teaching. And no doubt it is challenging. But Jesus does not teach that following him and doing what he does is burdensome or it's, it's you can't do it. He says you can do it. In fact, this is what he says right here. Out, out of the mouth of Jesus himself, we taught this last week, uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I am humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is what? It is easy. My burden is light. Challenging, yes. Challenge, costly, yes. There's a cost to being a disciple of Jesus. But the way of Jesus really makes your life better in the long run and your life actually get easier if you're rooted in the ways of Jesus. Now, there is a cost. And thank goodness, you and I don't have to pay the cost. Jesus paid the cost on the cross so you and I don't have to do that. But the cost that you and I pay is when we're not rooted in the ways of Jesus. Because when we're not rooted, that's when everything gets messed up and we mess everything up. Now, last weekend, we talked about what it really looks like to follow Jesus. And we gave you this little simple little progression step for you to grow in your understanding of really following Jesus. Next weekend, we're going to look at what it means to be rooted in your family tree. And in how, to, how to, when you're rooted in your family tree, how do you actually honor your family? It's Mother's Day weekend, right? And we're not going to forget that. I mean, that's not in the Bible, but there's a high cost if you forget Mother's Day weekend. I'm just letting you know. There's a high, high cost. We've all learned that, right? So we're going to stop and do that next weekend. But how, when you get rooted in your family tree, how do you honor someone that's not very honorable? And so we're going to kind of try to honor grandmothers and mothers next week. And we're going to have fun. It's going to be enjoyable and everything. So I hope you'll come bring your family with you. And hopefully we'll all grow a little bit in that, that area. But this weekend, uh, we're talking, what, it, what does it look like? And what does it mean to be rooted in prayer? Now, I, I know, I don't really know of anybody who gets really excited uh, talking about prayer. And I know a few people who get excited about hearing a message on prayer, especially a message that might go on a couple of hours or so. People really don't get excited about that, you know. See, that's my point right there. You, you, know, you don't get excited about that. And so, but just this whole concept of prayer, when prayer comes up, people go, Prayer, okay, yeah, I think I believe in it, but you and I, we struggle with prayer. It's kind of a, it's a hard subject to talk about and wrestle with because we feel like a failure when it comes to prayer. We have all these misunderstandings and conceptions of what prayer is like, and so people don't do it. And so I, I know I don't have any blanks there at the very first part of your message notes, but I just want to show you some things I think that cause problems and challenges for people in their prayer life and why you might kind of go, eh, when you kind of bring this subject up, here we go again, I'm going to fail again. So, you know, here, here, here's a few things. Uh, one thing I would say that maybe you grew up in a home where prayer felt like an obligation. You were raised in the church. You were raised in a home where it was said, you should pray. 
You should pray every day. You should have a quiet time every morning. You should, you should, you should. You should pray before eat. Don't you eat. Hey, stop it. Don't you eat without praying. And you just feel this, this burden, it's like it's an obligation. And so when you don't pray, you feel guilty. And it's not God's intent for you to ever be, feel guilty when you don't pray. But because it's an obligation, you go, ah, it just doesn't mean anything to me because it's obligation. For some of you, uh, you say, I don't know what to say. You don't pray. I, I don't know what words to say. I mean, I just, I don't know what to say. Do I have to quote certain things? Do I have to cite scripture? I, I really don't know what to say. Some of you, you're already, you're cynical about prayer and you're suspicious about prayer because you've prayed and nothing's happened. You've asked God to do something. You've asked God to show up and do this and nothing sort of happened. So you kind of got to a point in your life of going, I'm not even sure if God hears prayers. I'm not even sure if God is listening. I'm not even sure if God answers prayer, so I don't even know why I would. And that would be another thing I would say that some people believe that, why should I pray? Because I, I can't tell that God is listening. So if I can't tell that God is there and God is listening, why should I pray? Now, I want to take a little poll here, and I would ask everybody to participate, even online. I would encourage you to please kind of chime in and say, yeah, that's me. If this is you, I wonder how many of you would be honest and say that you come to a point in your life that there have been seasons where you've asked God to do something. You've been praying, 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 asking, 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 talking, 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 and nothing happens. And you get so frustrated to the point, you go, you know what, I'm just going to stop praying. And you stop you know, for a whole season where you don't pray at all unless something really bad happens. or you know, Then you pray, right? Something, But then... So how many would, would be honest and raise your hand that you go through seasons where a long time you didn't pray at all? Raise your hands really high. I, hold them up. I want you to look around. I want you to see. I want you to see the sea of hands. Almost everybody has had this experience. You are not alone when it comes to this subject matter, okay? Because sometimes it feels risky. You feel risky. I'm going to put myself out there. But what if I pray and God doesn't come through? What if I pray and what I ask for doesn't happen? And then I've spent all this time, I've been wasting my time and wasting my energy. I'm wasting my own emotions and all the expectations and I get disappointed. And I don't want to be disappointed so I don't pray at all. Whatever you think about this book called the Bible, and some of you here, you're not even sure if you believe in the Bible. And whether you believe in the Bible or not, and if you don't believe in it, you're welcome here. If you're not sure about how this all things comes together here and you have questions, you're welcome here. But regardless of your faith background, no faith, whatever you believe about this book, I want you to know this. This book here is a collection of stories of people who knew how to talk to God and they talked to God and talking to God is prayer. All the way from the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve talked to God as they walked with God in the garden to Abraham who talked to God as he was on the journey, not knowing where he was going, right? Just kept asking, where am I going? Where am I going? Where am I going? And God just talked to God about that. From Moses, who talked to God in the burning bush, that this book is about people talking to God. That's, that's what it's about. And not only that, the people of Israel, the name Israel, those people were people of prayer. The name Israel literally means to struggle with God. That's, really what, that's what Israel means. People who struggle with God, who question God, who wrestle. They wrestle with God, really wrestling with God. So this is throughout the Bible. And then you get over into the New Testament. You start learning about this man named Jesus. And more than anything, more than anything that Jesus did, Jesus prayed. I mean, you go, go read the stories about him more than anything that he did that he, that he prayed. Jesus actually called the temple a house of prayer. 
And when you, when you go read the stories about him. Wherever he went, there were crowds around him, but it says that he stopped to pray. When he was busy, 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 when he was hurried, 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 and people, all these people needed something. He said, man, I got so many things to do. I got to get started. I got, I got a long list of things to do. The Bible says he went to a quiet place and he spent time with the father. And what did he do? He prayed. In fact, there was one particular time there was this, this family who had this kid who, who had this evil spirit. And Jesus comes up and he delivers the evil spirit from them. And the disciples are there. And they go, hey, Jesus, we tried to do the very same thing, and we could not do it. What gives? And he said, some things can only happen through what? Prayer. Now, this so disturbed, this so, so got the disciples' attention. And so the disciples finally came to a place where they asked Jesus this question. It's over in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. He said, well, Jesus, then, could you please teach us to pray? Now, I think it's very interesting when you study the life of Jesus. Jesus did a lot of cool things, and the disciples saw it. He calms storms, big old storms. <laughs> He's sleeping. He wakes up, and he calms them. He walks on water. He heals sick people. He feeds thousands of people with just a little bit of food, a little bit of fish. He raises the dead. But when you read the Scripture, the Gospels, you cannot show me in the scriptures with the disciples, hey, Jesus, could you please teach us how to heal people? Didn't ask that. Jesus, could you please teach us to raise dead people back to life? Doesn't ask that. Could you please show us, show us how to calm storms so in the middle of a storm, everything can be sticky. Just show us how to do Doesn't do that. They say, Jesus, could you teach us to pray? Interesting. Because they kind of figured something out, that the source of Jesus' power, the source, the source of his humble confidence, to be confident and humble at the same time, the ability to pray for his enemies when they were persecuting him, the ability to somehow have this grit to keep on stepping when life got challenging and hard was connected to his prayer life. So they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And when, he, when they asked him that question, Jesus teaches us something in the scriptures, Matthew chapter 6, it's also in Luke chapter 11, that we know as the Lord's Prayer. And we're just kind of look at the one that's over here in, 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 verse, in chapter 6 of Matthew. Now, I think, it's a, I think it's unfortunate that we have come to call this the Lord's Prayer, because I really don't think it's the Lord's Prayer, it was the disciples' prayer. It's your prayer, it's our prayer that the Lord gave you and me for blessing and the benefit of our own life, okay? So this is how he teaches it. We're going to pick it up here before he gets to the prayer in verse 5 of chapter 6. We'll put it on the screen. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And truly, I tell you, They've already received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Boom, it's over. It ends abruptly. Now, we're going to come back to that here in a moment. Now, I want you to notice something here about this scripture. I know something that just happened. That while I was reading that, there are some of you, maybe even closed your eyes, but some of you were saying the next words before I ever got to it because you have memorized this prayer. You know this prayer, some of you. You could recite it. In fact, there are some of you right now, or any time, if I was to call upon you out of the blue, would you please stand up and lead us in the Lord's Prayer? Now, you might be scared to death, but you could start and you could do it from memory and keep going all the way through it until you got to the debts and part. You go, is it debts or trespasses? I don't know. Which is this? And you'd fumble and bumble that because we all do, right? Because you never know what people are going to do. But for the most part, you could say this prayer without even thinking. And that's the problem. Jesus is teaching us how to pray, and it's not that he doesn't want us to think and just some rote little thing. I want you to notice what he said right here. He says, this is how you should pray, not what you should pray without thinking. How you should pray. In other words, this is how you can jumpstart your own prayer life. This is a way to help you learn to be able to lean into prayer, a model to help you grow into your own personal way and how you pray. That's, that's what he's saying. I also want you to notice something else that happens here in the text in verses 5, 6, and 7. Three different times he says the exact same words. He says in verse 5, when you pray. Verse 6, he says, when you pray. Verse 7, when you pray. There was an assumption on the front end that you're going to pray. Now, you and I live in a world that's very secular, very suspicious of spiritual things. There's even a gentleman right now, we all know, an ongoing case going to the Supreme Court about someone who prayed publicly, causing all a big uproar. But here's what I would contend. Even though we live in a world, in a culture that's very suspicious and doesn't want people to pray, I'm going to suggest that we all, at some believing God or not, pray sometime. When you back up and look at the culture and look at the words that come out of our mouth, when you and I go up to someone and say, man, I bless you or wish you luck, that's kind of like a prayer. Hey, I'm hoping the best for you. That's a prayer. God, you know, help me, God. No, that, that, that's a prayer. Before you go in to take a test, right, a kid doesn't even believe in God. Man, help me. They just, they just got up in the middle there. Help me. Help me pass that test. That exam's coming. I got to graduate. Help me. Help. I need help. Before you go into a doctor's visit, help. Before you get this, this critical diagnosis, you, God, I'm not even sure if I believe in you, but if there is a God, now I need your help. I just need help. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of a given thing that we as human beings, the way you and I are wired and made, that we're going to ask questions, we're going to struggle, and we're going to reach out to someone, to something in the air. We're not even sure if it's true, going, help me, please, I need something. And so there's this basic assumption that we're all going to pray. Now, we have this thing before us here where Jesus says, we they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. And he says, this is how you do it. Now, I'm not going to go through every line and every word. We could do that. And it's an action. It's a powerfully theological, powerful prayer. 
But I just want to give you five things, very high-level things that you can take for you to help you be rooted, to get re-rooted in your life, to reconnect with prayer as a major part of your daily life. Okay? So, so that's where we're headed. Number one is we're, I want to encourage you, the Bible, I think he's telling us to pray authentically. Now, why is this the very first thing? Because I think so often you and I do not pray authentically. We don't. We don't. Have you ever noticed how, how, how sometimes that when someone begins to pray, they start praying, their voice changes. As I look right here at the text, verse 5, I think this is what he's saying. Before he teaches us how to pray, he teaches us how not to pray. Because if you pray like this, you're not being authentic. In other words, when you pray, verse 5 is saying like when you, you think prayer is a performance. That's what I would say. You think prayer is a performance. So you notice when they start to pray. And also when they start praying, they say their tone of voice changes. Ever you notice this? Some people, their tone of voice changes. And all of a sudden their voice gets a little more emotive, a little more tender, a little more wispy, a little more light. And all of a sudden emotions kind of start flowing out. They start emoting more. It's like they're performing for the people that are listening. Not for God, but for the people that are listening. And right here in verse 5, he's very clear to say, prayer is not a performance for other people to see or hear. It's not for them. That's not authentic. Another thing he says, we get down here in verse 7, he says, uh, pray authentically. Don't be worried about your many words. Because some people you think, man, I, I just got to say a certain amount of words. And I, I think it'd be interesting to say, if I was to call upon people to pray in a small group or in a large group, one of the number one reasons people won't raise their hands is they're afraid they don't know what to say. And what they do say, they're afraid somebody else is going gonna, is gonna to judge them or going to grade them. I give you a grade, a one or a two, or that was a 10, or that was a zero, you know. And you're worried about that, right? Because you think when you pray, you got to cite scripture or you got to use big words. Oh God, oh God, you omniscient, omnipotent, omnivorous God. I'm just going to let that sit there, see if listening right here, okay? All right, and we get this idea that you got to say because everybody's listening. And I think, that, and so you're, you think you're concerned about what comes out of your mouth. And I believe that's why Jesus says right down here uh, in, in verse 6, he says, no, go pray in secret. Because when you pray in secret, not that he doesn't want you to pray with other people, he does. The Bible talks about that. But when you pray in secret, you're not worried about the words coming out of your mouth because nobody, nobody else is there but you and God. You can be really real. Just get genuine. Be authentic because there's, there's nobody showing off to. Nobody worry. So just, just be yourself in, your, in that way. Anybody here ever stop praying because your mind wanders in prayer? Anybody have a wandering mind in prayer? I, I don't want to scare you. And you stop praying, right, because you think, God knows my mind's wandering, so I'm just going to stop. <laughs> you know, here's what the Scripture says. In verse 8, it says, your God, your father knows what you need before you ask him. That means he knows what's in your head before you ever ask. So if your mind is wandering, he knows. He knows. In fact, could it be that's the Holy Spirit moving your thoughts to really think about what really matters to you? Then that's what he wants to hear from you? That when your mind wanders, just go with it? Because that's what really, where your mind is and your heart, he wants to hear from the authentic, genuine you. Dallas Willard puts it this way. I, I love this quote about prayer. 
Prayer simply dies from efforts to pray about good things that do not matter to us. We just think, I got to pray about this. I got to pray about that. I got to pray this way. And it doesn't matter. But he says, pray about what you're truly interested in. The circle of our interest will inevitably grow in the largeness of God's love. In other words, when you pray, bring the real you before the real God. Bring the real you before the real God. And when you do that, the real God will meet you there and expand your horizon of what it is to be in prayer. But you got to start with the real you in front of the real God. Secondly, we got to remember who we are talking to. Remember who you're talking to. Some of us, when we pray, we pray like we're praying to some conceptual theological idea instead of to a person. And he says, instead, when you begin your prayer, just very simply, he says, Father. That's how he starts, Father. How do you pray? Father. That's where you start. Remember who you're talking to. Now, I know for some of you right now, that word is a very complicated word for you. And I don't minimize the complication of that word for you. But when you study the teachings of Jesus and you study the life of Jesus, over and over and over and over and over again, he goes and encourages you and me to pray as if we're talking to a father who truly loves you unconditionally, who knows every thought, every idea, everything you've ever done, and he accepts you just the way you are and is not shocked by anything for which your mind wanders. And I know some of you go, really? Yeah, really. Think about where your mind goes. And he's not shocked and still loves you. Uh, so some of you know this. I've told this story, you know, many, many times. And my dad, my mom and dad, uh, hey, hey, dad, and mom, you know, if you fell or, fell or watching online here from home this morning, is that when I was in the, in the sixth and seventh grade, man, I just had trouble sleeping at night. And I was a kid that was just scared. Uh, I, I, got, I was fearful of stuff out there in the dark. And there's a lot of reasons for why that came about. But in the middle of the night, I would just wake up just petrified. I would cry out, dad. And uh, my dad would just get up. He'd, you know, sometimes he'd come and just flip on the light. You know, he'd say, hey, just let me see. Everything's okay. You know, sometimes he'd just come in the room and just, he wouldn't even flip on the light. He'd just say, Rick, I'd just hear his voice. And uh, everything just was okay. Because I was in the presence of the one who I knew, knew everything that I thought, and he wasn't shocked by my crazy, irrational fears of things that were not true. He wasn't shocked. He didn't, he didn't try to kind of beat me down or convince me. He, just, he didn't try to demean me. He just, he just loved me. He just was there. And, and, the, and what he's trying to tell you is that you have a father, a father in heaven who knows everything about you. And he's not shocked. And he's always available to you to speak his name, father. And he's there. And he's interested in what you have to say. Father, remember who you're talking to. You're talking to your father, your father in heaven. And not only that, remember that when you, when you talk to your father, and you, if you're a parent, if, you, if you're a kid, and you go, you know, sometimes your parent says no. Sometimes you ask for something and you don't get it. And why do they say no? 
because they, they, they know it wouldn't be good. They know it wouldn't be in your best interest. And so sometimes they say no. And also praying to your father means that you're not in control of the outcome. And I think that's what bugs so many of us about prayer is that we want to pray in such a way that we control the outcome. And we think that prayer is some little magic code, some little secret sauce. If I say the words the right way, I'm going to get what I want. But when you pray to the Father, you're trusting that someone who understands the bigger picture and knows what you don't know and what you don't understand. And he's going to give you what you need, not always what you want. Know who you're praying to, who you're talking to. Thirdly, pray bigger. Pray bigger. I know this is true in my life. At some time in my own life, I can get sucked into praying only about the things about my small little life and my small little world, uh, my little worries, my little doubts, my little desires, my little wants, my little problems, my little pain. But Jesus began praying really big in this prayer. Look at verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a pretty big prayer. That's a bold prayer. That's a prayer that doesn't get answered unless God shows up. Your kingdom come. Your will be done right here, right here, just like you're doing. Not what I'm doing, not what I'm manipulating, what you're doing in heaven. And I think so many times you and I, we want to pray in ways that we can measure and that are calculated to guarantee the outcome that you and I can influence. That's a pretty small prayer. That's a pretty teeny tiny little prayer. And I think he's saying, by that little verse right there, pray bigger when you pray. Father, where there is injustice, bring justice. Father, end poverty. Father, end hunger in this world. End it, God. Father, do something about the big things. Do it. Father, restore families. Father, deliver children from clueless parents. Father, deliver, protect kids from abusive and violent homes. Deliver them, Lord. End bullying in our schools. End bullying in our politics. End it. Father, bring an end to racism. Bring an end to bigotry. Bring an end to hatred for anyone just because of what they believe or how they live or what they look like. End it, Father, end it. Bring an end to abuse. Bring an end to addiction. Bring an end, Father, to the war in Ukraine and the destruction of those people. Bring an end to it. Pray bigger, church. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth, on this globe, in our nation, as you were doing in heaven. Pray bigger. I promise you this. I promise you this. Easter weekend and last weekend, 57 people were baptized and gave their life to Jesus. And that was not the result of some little, measly, little, small little prayers. 
some 36 years ago when this little church that was in called St. Matthew was about to be closed and shut down and the Grin Reaper was going to put a lock on the door and say, this church is done. This church is closed. A little small group of people started praying. Bold, big prayers. And they didn't pray that God would keep the doors open. They didn't pray that God would just keep paying the bills. They didn't pray that God would keep the air conditioner going and take care of all those needs. They started praying that God would do big things and reach and touch and change people's lives and change legacies. Pray big. Pray bigger. Don't be a small little praying little church. Be a house of prayer. Be a praying church for the big thing that God wants to do. And I promise you this, your church session and the elders on your church right now sitting on that session, your leadership staff, we don't pray for just little things. We meet and pray regularly for big, bold things, for God to connect one more single mother, one more single mother who's stuck in the muck and mire of a family legacy and just being destitute, just living on her own, trying to work two jobs and to care for her kids, that somehow she would come face to face with the resurrected Jesus and know that God cares about her. And she would have an encounter with Jesus, that she needs Jesus more than she needs another man. And somehow through that encounter, she would grow to become our identity in Jesus to be someone that somebody else could take in her life. But first, that she comes face to face with Jesus, pray bold prayers. That marriages that are on the brink right now, and there's some in this room, there are some online that are on the brink, that you would stop just being so focused upon yourself and you would see the big picture and get rooted as husband and wife in Jesus, that your kids might be delivered and saved from another divorce and another broken family. Pray bigger, bolder, by giant prayers, then believe that God is willing to do more than you can ask or imagine. That's what he says in his word. Pray bigger. And then I would encourage you, I think this is the most misunderstood part of this whole prayer, is don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask God. You ever had a moment in your life, you wanted to ask God something, and you thought, eh, I'm not going to ask. It sounds kind of selfish. It sounds kind of audacious. God's going to think I'm more than that. And so I'm just not going to ask. But when you look at this book right here called the Bible, if you see anything, they ask God. They ask God. Jacob said, God, would you please just bless me, God? Jacob, just, just bless me. Hannah, God, I want, I, would you give me children? Would you give me children? Solomon, God, would you give me wisdom? David, God, would you please help me defeat and overcome my enemies? Would you help me do that? Would you, God? And then Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood, the scripture says. If you could, Lord, if you could, would you deliver me? Would you save me from, from the cross, from, from just the suffering? But not, but, but, but not my will, Lord, not my will. Your will be done. If you read this book, you, need, you just need to understand. If prayer is anything, it is, it is this willingness to ask. And I think some of you, you're just not sure if it's okay to ask God for some of the stuff you want to ask God for. And I want to reassure you this morning it is. 
In fact, I'll just kind of hit this with one more passage from Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, the apostle Paul puts it this way, verse 6. said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, any situation, present your request to God. And you read the Lord's Prayer itself right over here. It's just a list right there in the middle of it. It's just a list of requests, almost demands. Lord, give us our daily bread. Give, we need our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Um, hey, lead us not into temptation. It's just a list of prayers. Ask. Ask. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. So let's just say it out loud. Just because I ask, my experience means it doesn't mean I'm going to get what I want. Can we just call, kind of call, all come to an agreement that it could be that some of the prayers that you and I pray, that if God answered them the way you wanted, the world would be more chaotic and more problematic? That things would be worse instead of better if we got what we wanted? And that sometimes some of the prayers that you and I ask create conflict between other people's prayer who are praying something different from ours. And if God answers this, God can't answer this. It's just the way people want and they ask their prayers. It'd be kind of like this past week, if, if you went to the Ranger game, you noticed the Ranger were playing the Astros, and both fans were praying the exact same prayer. How God going to answer that the way both teams want it? And does, does that mean that God doesn't want to hear from the dark, sinful souls of Astros fans? Is that what that means? That's exactly what that means. God only cares about the Rangers. He didn't care about the Astros. No, that's not what that means. But here's what I want you to know it does mean, that I think we all understand that some of the prayers that you and I ask at a rational, logical feeling are just a little bit smaller on God's priority list. Not really a major, major thing that God's that interested in at the moment. And not only that, that sometimes you and I ask prayers that are in conflict that cause at a rational, logical level that just would not be the right way for God to answer the prayer. But that doesn't mean that you don't ask. Because prayer... At the core of it's being faith is asking, even though you don't get exactly what you want, when you want, how you want it. And the Bible is very clear. Ask. Ask. James says, you do not have because you do not what? Ask. Somebody asked me one time, Pastor, what, what do you think that means? Well, I'll tell you, I think, sure, I think it means. I think it means that you don't have because you didn't ask. That your prayer matters to God. At the very essence, James is saying your prayer matters to God. Your prayer about your family, it matters to God. Your prayer about your job, it matters to God. Your prayer about your finances, it matters to God. It matters to God. It matters to God. Ask. And it's a sign of faith. Some of you think faith means, well, I stop asking. I've asked once. I'm not going to ask them again. No. Over, in fact, over in Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a story of a parable of this widow who goes to a judge, and she asks this judge, would you please give me justice? And the judge says no, and she prays again, would you please give me justice? And and the scripture says that she kept praying so many times, finally the judge says, okay, I'll give you what you want. And at the very end of that, Jesus himself, this is how he ends his parable. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? In other words, will he find a people who continually ask, 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 trusting in me, even though they don't get what they want when they want, can I trust that they have a people of faith? That God answers prayer and they matter. 
And some of you and I, I, th- I think the core problem is the core problem. The real problem you and I have is not about that God doesn't seem to answer all of our prayers, but you know the one prayer. You know the big prayer. I mean the prayer. You know what I'm talking about? The one that if God does it the way you want, it changes everything, and God doesn't answer it that way. And the one you pray for months and years and years. But here's what I want you to hear. There are all sorts of prayers that God answers and if I had asked for a raise of hands, there would be so many people say, yes, God answered that prayer. 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 Prayer is not just a watering it down, this little thing that makes me feel better, that I say these words up into the universe like some ther- therapeutic thing for my soul. God answers prayer. So let me ask you, what do you need to ask God for? What do you need to ask God for? Maybe it's for healing for something in a relationship or your soul, your body, your mind. What is it? Maybe you need to pray for God to bless somebody, like someone, a neighbor, a friend. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. I just want to encourage you. Ask because your prayer matters to God. Here's the final thing I would say. Be willing to wait. Be willing to wait. Remember how Matthew ended this thing? It just ends. It goes, but delivers from the evil one, boom. And nowhere does it say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It doesn't say that. We all recite the prayer. If I was to ask you to recite it, you'd say, oh, yeah, and for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. How come it's not there? Well, it's not there because the oldest manuscripts of Matthew don't have it, which means Jesus probably didn't teach it. It's good, beautiful words, and it's okay to have. Use them. It's okay. But that's not, it just ends. And I think it ends that way on purpose. Jesus is teaching you and me that sometime you just got to create some space and wait. No perfect ending in this prayer. Wait for God to speak. Wait for God to answer. And that's what you and I hate the most. Because we're in control. I got things to do. I got places to go. I got answers. I got to have answers. I got to take care of things. I got my boom, 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 right? I mean, how many of you in your pray? How many of you after you pray, don't raise your hands. How many of you after you pray actually stop for 10 minutes in the morning after you pray and just sit there and wait for 10 minutes? Don't raise your hand. 10 minutes. How many do that? How many would say you would do that five minutes? How many would say you sit and wait in your, your chair quiet time for one minute? How many would say that you're brushing your teeth and you say amen and you're running out the door? But the power of your prayer life is in the posture of being still and waiting and giving time for God to speak and why that's a challenge for you and me is is the we want outcomes we want to fix people and prayer is refusing to rush back into the world hurry and frenetic spirit can't get the kids ready get the kids up I gotta do this we gotta get that we gotta get that hey why I mean you're just returning back to your own way of life refusing that I gotta fix that person I gotta control that outcome refusing prayer is refusing to do that and just giving space for God to be space to give you God and when I don't do that I will tell you, the worst decisions I've made in my life have not been because I wanted to be wrong or do wrong. 
It's because I refuse to wait on God. And I see it all the time. You're praying for God to give you a, a, a promotion or give you more money. And it doesn't happen on your timeline. So you start cutting corners. You start manipulating the books. You start kind of cozying up to someone and trying to puff up somebody's skirt to make them think highly of you. And you create drama because you're not waiting for God in the workplace or you're in a relationship. And this person is not responding as quickly as you want them to. And you're just praying that they're going to respond. They don't respond. And you get impatient. And you step outside the relationship and you go over here and all of a sudden you make one decision that you regret and it messes up everything over here and over there because you didn't wait on God to work. And when you don't wait on God, you're missing out on a conversation with the Father who knows everything about you and who loves you. And wants to be in relationship with you. And you never get to see him do the answer to what he had in mind. Because you got impatient. And you miss out. On hearing the word from God who always says. Pray bigger. I hear you. Pray whatever you want out of your mouth. It's okay. I'm not going to be shocked to say it. You miss out on hearing the God who says, let me be God. Let me take care of it. You miss out on seeing what I can do. I know the plans I have for you. Plans not to harm you. Plans to prosper you. Your soul, your character, just be still and wait and know that I'm God. Let's do that right here before you walk out. I just want you to create some space and I just want you to be still. God, we've assembled here in this place and we want to know that you answer prayer and we, we want to believe, God, that you hear our prayers and you're concerned and you're interested. And God, we know that you're up to big things and sometimes the things in our life seem so small, they seem so insignificant. You've got bigger things that you're worried and concerned about, God, but you tell us in your word, you tell us in your word that whatever it is, whatever it is we're in, whatever it is, we just got to come to you and we ask. So right now, God, that's what some people are going to do. Whether you're online or you're in the house right now, please, I want to give you a little bit of time here just to ask God. Just ask. Ask. Talk to the Father. Father, we know that we're probably not going to leave here with a clear answer from you yet. 
probably come back next week, God praying the same prayer. Maybe praying it again, praying and waiting, praying and waiting. But God, we're going to keep praying. We're going to keep waiting. Because we believe our prayers matter to you. And we believe that you're going to answer. Not always what we want, God, but you know what we need. And we're going to trust you for that. So God, this week, be among us. Be with us. Show up, God, please. In our praying. And in our waiting. Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information on Pathway or to get connected to a ministry, visit our website at pathway.church. We look forward to growing with you as we worship together. God loves you. God is with you.